0: listeners to yet another episode of the through the banner podcast my name is Casper McLeod and with me this evening is the man who I accidentally called last week's co-host um (laughs) Michael Dorther, MVD how are you mate it's actually MVD how are you
1: oh I'm good thanks Brandon how are you (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, mate, you must have been um, pleased a couple of weeks ago, Hawthorne five-point win against Brisbane, but inconsistent and followed up with the 60-point uh, loss against Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, go figure. I suppose it's just the way of the, the, way the land at the moment and the way things are going. Um, they're just uh, a, a team rebuilding, which generally says that they're going to have good days, they're going to have bad days. you just got to pick them as a tipster, and unfortunately, I didn't pick it last week.
0: Well, um, I tell you what, I'd much rather be in your position than in my position. Um, where at the you're moment. You're going for Sydney
1: now,
0: yeah? Yeah, yeah, solely. Solely. <laughs> just, yeah, so yeah.
1: You, I thought you had red and white on there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it seems to be bad days and then even worse days at Essendon. Um, you know the club is in a bad position where when um when you're a 16 point loss and a two goal nine first half is seen as um, as a positive improvement. But anyway, still listener. In case this is your first episode, there are three different sections. First section, we will review the round that's just gone, give our top two highlight, top two low light. We'll say a play that has surprised us the most. Then we'll discuss in the second section the four main talking points that come out of the weekend. And then the last section, we will preview the first of the bye rounds. The bye rounds are here. Um, and I tell you what, some clubs definitely need the week off. But before we get to that, Round eleven review NBD, um start us off. What were your top two highlights?
1: Uh I'm gonna start way back when on Friday night, and uh I'm gonna look at the Swan's six-point win over Richmond. Both Which sides... I called Sorry, by the
0: way, I called a okay, federal points.
1: <laughs> well, at one point, what were they? They were they they were quite a bit, they were quite a bit down. Well, was it 30 points? Down midway through the third quarter. Yes, yeah, around and that. I, I was. I think I just finished a game of hockey then, and I turned around and go, "Well, this is going to be pointless watching this." Um, and so I came home and just did something else, and and then all of a sudden I turned back, uh, turned it on, turned it over, and they had a six point win. Um, that's a that is a ripper result for them. Um, I don't care what anyone says to get to come back from 30 points down midway through the third against the quality side of Richmond, which I know everyone's saying, and I've been one of them and I'm not a huge fan of where they're at at the moment, but uh, I think Sydney uh, Sydney doing that is credit to them. Um, they hadn't lost since Dusty had been back uh, and I'm um, that, that, that was a very good win, even though it was up in Sydney and, and, and all that. So congratulations to the Swans. Uh, well done there. My other highlight, it's got to be said, and I'm sure we'll bring it up at some point, but Fremantle's 38-point win over Melbourne, breaking a streak of, what, 17, mm. if I'm not mistaken, wins by the by the Ds? Yeah. Um, it's probably the loss that the Ds had to have, let's be honest. But yeah. they Fremantle have come over, they've done it at the MCG, and they've done it in uh, in trying conditions as well. So credit to them. Uh, they've done what they needed to do, and they're... they're rightly, in the conversation about premierships. Mm. Yeah. What about you? What were your two highlights? Well, I fully,
0: fully, fully agree with, um, with with what you said about Fremantle. They're my number one highlight. It's only fair that they were one of my two lowlights last week for a couple of shocking losses. They followed it up with the best win that quite possibly Fremantle has ever had. Um, I'm trying to remember who said said it during the week but someone said during the week that every single club on the March to the premiership has a signature win that makes everyone else in the competition kind of sit up and take notice. So for the dogs, it was beating the Swans um, at the SCG in early 2015. And for Fremantle, it is probably this one. Um, just an unbelievable, unbelievable victory. And yeah, sure. Melbourne lost Stephen May, which helped a lot. But nevertheless, to keep the demons to just one, one goal in a half of football and to turn it around accuracy wise, the way they did. They started that game two and seven and they finished it off with, I think, 12 goals, three in that second half or something like that. It was ridiculous. Great turnaround. Um, It's a fantastic win for the Fremantle Dockers. Um, and, uh, yeah, i still can't believe that. I also called, ooh, still can't believe I also called that. Sorry for a second. I just thought my call dropped out. Never mind. I'm still haunted by how horrible the internet connection was last week when, um, when, when you're on the podcast, MVD. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's a great victory by the, uh, by, by the Dockers. Um, and I'm also surprised that I called that. So dear listener, if you want a six out of six weekend, listen to me.
1: Anyways. I'm going to write the tips down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, need
0: I need to go. Um Now, low lights um, for every highlight. Oh, sorry. So I've got to mention the other one. Collingwood. Um, the one that I got wrong on the weekend. Great victory. And forget the late fight back by Carlton. Forget the, was it a high tackle um, with, you know, seconds ago. Should the Blues have gotten a free kick late to beat the old enemy? who were eight and two and flying at a packed MCG is monumental. And last week I talked about Fremantle having a bad previous couple of games. Collingwood's last two weeks since that big loss to the Dogs has been the most impressive two weeks, I think, from anyone in the competition so far this season. To beat the Dockers in Perth by six goals and then to beat Carlton the way they did, two, at the moment, top four contenders, it's a great victory, and Cottonwood are on the right track this year. They might fall off a little bit, as, as young teams often do, but fantastic first half of the year, and Craig McCrae's doing a great job. Now, uh, unfortunately, for every highlight, there is a low light. And while one Western Australian team is doing very, very well, the other Western Australian team is doing uh, well, the opposite of that. The Eagles are as um, Gary Lyon and Nick Rewalt and Jonathan Brown pointed out, historically bad. They are, at the moment, at that same level of awfulness that Fitzroy were at at the end of their existence in 1996. They are as bad as the first-year expansion Gold Coast Suns and Greater Western Sydney Giants, right? And Fitzroy, they had the pressures of the AFL forcing them to merge – and the the weight of the media on them, the weight of football existentialism crisis on them. The Gold Coast Suns and GWS were just starting. There were a bunch of 18-year-olds and a bunch of washed-out players from other clubs. What's West Coast's excuse? Sure, they had COVID. Sure, they have an injury list longer than the Flemington Strait, but that does not excuse non-ethic. I reckon you get a bunch of OzKick kids to play in West Coast, uh, in in the game for West Coast this weekend, and they can put in a more honourable performance than what the actual West Coast Eagles have been putting in. I mean, think about this. Before this year, the Eagles had only lost once in Western Australia by over 100 points since 1987. And this year, it's happened twice. Like, that does nothing, nothing can excuse that. They weren't that bad when Chris Judd and Ben Cousins left. Heck, no club. Essendon, when the whole squad got suspended, we weren't that bad. The West Coast, you are worse than the Essendon-Frankenstein squad of 2016. And the other low light for me, unfortunately, does have to be Hawthorne. It's a a game that I think many Hawks supporters, I'm guessing including yourself, thought that they were going to win. Um, there were a chance to win, they were a good chance to win against another young team. And just like last year, the Suns proved too strong, but it's more than that. It was the fact that the Suns did it extremely easily. It looked like a training drill at stages during that first half, especially. Um, so yeah, disappointing weekend for the Hawks, but to be expected, um, young teams, they 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 do go on a bit of a roller coaster um during the season. Um yeah, and it was just one of those. One of those, uh, what what is it called? One of those drops. There you go. I was thinking like a wave. I was gonna yeah, go one of, one of those drops.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely one of those downers. And and what you got to expect it. Unfortunately, um, at some point, like I said off the top, I think we just got to expect it and pick the days that it's going to happen. Pick the days that it's not going to happen. So um, see what happens um, in that one. Um, my. Two lowlights, if I can call them that, for the weekend. Now it's the weekend, yeah.
0: Sorry, the last few days, right? You can say last few days in football. So it's up to you. <clears throat> All,
1: right. All right, I'm just looking across across the board. Like uh, for the last, let's go, let's go the last weekend. Oh, is it just me? And Hang on, I need to get. I need to confirm. I need to confirm my suspicions here. But that Melbourne Fremantle match. How many people saw that?
0: Oh, I think the crowd was twenty thousand. I think. Hold on, a second. Uh, twenty
1: thousand at the MCG for a Saturday afternoon clash between two top four sides. To what is going on down there? To, to what are you fair. doing people, word to people down there at Casper? <laughs>
0: Look, MBD, to be fair, a Fremantle never draws a big crowd at the MCG. They've done it once and it was in a grand final.
1: I agree. But still, surely, like, these two sides, what, they're current? Okay, currently, they are first and third on the ladder. Before yeah. the round, it was, what, first and fourth or something like that? That's surely, they draw at least sixty 60,000 people there. So to the Melbourne faithful, there's a whack for you guys. Get out and support your club. Surely, if you had had 60,000 there, I reckon Melbourne would have got across the line. Mm. Go figure. Uh, My other one, my other low light, probably I'm going going to go away from the AFL landscape, is the fact that the GVL lost to the Evans and Murray League on Saturday uh, by 55 points. These are two big rivals in the country. And you can't get any bigger rivals in country football at the moment than the Golden Valley League and the Ovens and Murray Football League. The Ovens and Murray, out of the uh, Al- out Albury Way, players like Michael Newton, uh, Ben Reed are out there um, playing uh, playing football out there. And uh, and our GV League, nah, neither of them showed up by the way to, uh, to play in the uh, interleague clash. But the the GVL uh, got towed up to the tune of fifty odd points. And their leading goalscorer was a backman. <laughs> they, threw, they threw a bloke by the name of Lachlan Smith. Now, I don't know if he's too old or what, but if he doesn't get looked at at some point in time, I think he was looked at, uh, he was on a Collingwood list a few years back and all that. But if Lachlan Smith doesn't get looked at again for an AFL selection, the bloke is an absolute gun. He's played over 150 games in the GBL, playing back mainly. But can swing forward. His intercept marking is second to none, and seriously, I reckon there's sides in the AFL that could do with that right now. I know we've just had the mid-season draft, and congratulations, Will Hayes from up here, who got uh, re-selected by Carlton, um, which will be a, which will be a very handy pickup for them. Um, but I look at it and go, there is every chance that some of these players could have been looked at. So if you want to, and I'm going to plug my own work, and I don't care, Casper, you can shoot it down or cut this part out. I don't have a problem <laughs> with it. But I'm going to plug my own work gvL.com uh, the gvleague.com.au, I think is the website and check out the links from last week's games there's some really good under 18s players playing in the in the game beforehand um, a bloke who I reckon should be picked up from the uh, from the ovens of Murray um, but also from the GVL there's a couple of very handy inclusions um, and w- seriously uh, I think that's something that people should start looking at
0: I like it. I like it. NVD, you're going outside the box there, giving the GVL a little bit of a, a little bit of a whack. Michael Newton, God, that's a that's a callback. 2007 Mark of the Year winner um, and Melbourne Football Club legend, Michael Newton. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to getting up there and um, and when watching some GVL action on the weekend up in um, up in Seymour. Super 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 excited for that. First time I'll be going up there um, in oh just over a year since the um, since last year was cancelled. So um now looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um now, the player that surprised you the most, MVD. If you if you haven't got one, I'll give you time. Do 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 you have one?
1: Go ahead. You can go first.
0: A player by the name of Michael Frederick. Now, already this year is his career best year in terms of few different crucial categories. His average disposal is up. Number of goals on average is up. Number of tackles he's laid per game is up uh, and fantasy points rankings. He's up right already this year, more than his previous seasons. This game on the weekend is his best game of the season in those categories, right? He has dominated on the weekend. It was, it was, he was kicking goals. He was laying, crunching tackles. He was racking up so much disposals that I'm surprised he wasn't sent to the Alfred for leather poisoning. It was a great performance by Michael Frederick. And the fact that he's only 22 years old is what's most impressive to me. But for me, it was more than just the goals. It was more than just the tackles. The thing that sealed it in the second half, that little ninja tap. If you haven't seen it, have you seen that MVD, the little ninja tap? He does the Oh, it's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Running towards the ball, going over his head in the uh, forward line, got a Melbourne opponent next to him, and the ball bounces. He's got a teammate behind him to his right, and he just taps it. He just punches it like that, like a ninja, just flips it out the back like that, Boop! and his teammate kicks the goal. It is the tap. Nat Fife did a thing with Ko. where he watched that game with his friend And Nat Fife's friend said that that was the tap of the season. Dare I say, that along with Heath Chapman, fellow Fremantle player, you remember back in round one against Adelaide, that punch on the goal line that saved the game for Fremantle. Those two moments, those two touches that don't get a disposal are quite possibly the best touches of the decade. And I know the decade is very young, but I'd be shocked. Gobsmacked, dare I say, flabbergasted if that ever get surpassed this decade. Phenomenal two moments. And he's a big reason why Fremantle, uh, where they are at the moment, Michael Frederick.
1: Yeah, can't agree with you anymore in regards to that, mate. Um, I Is it wrong that I'm going Fremantle as well? And I Not don't know wrong I this in this pilot. I don't know if it, like I did, I might've done this one last year, uh, last time I was on, but the number 17 for Fremantle, Will Brody. And yes, I'm a little bit biased because he's a and boy. I don't have a I don't care. If you got if you want to come at me, come at me. I don't care. Um it, for the fact that the matter is he's NVD, Golden Valley, uh Golden
0: Valley um uh favoritism.
1: Uh, that's Man. fine. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Um Will Brody's at his second club. Couldn't break into the Gold Coast side. Go figure me that yeah. for one. But he is currently this weekend against Melbourne. He had the fourth highest disposals. 28, obviously behind Clayton Oliver, who had a stupid amount, but he had what seven clearances, 464 meters gained, um, sitting fourth on that list as well. But what, how they got rid of him, I have no idea. He's averaging 28 disposals a game, he's averaging six and a half clearances a game, he's averaging 354 meters per game and 4.6 tackles. Go like, come and tell me someone else who's having a better year. As a second at a second club or throughout the year, and I'll go, hey, uh, He's got to be up there in some sort of calculations. Force. Uh, he probably won't get Brownlow votes because you got a bloke like David Mundy or Caleb Sarong, Andrew Brayshaw, um, James Aish that are down uh, in that um, lineup. But he's going to poll high in their best and fairest votes. I, I get the feeling, and he'll be top. Top ten. I'm calling it now. Top ten Brownlow. uh, Top ten best and fairest for uh, Will Brody at Fremantle this year. I like
0: it. I like it. And you know what's amazing for Fremantle? We're mentioning names like Will Brody, Michael Frederick, Heath Chapman. Who would have seen that at the start of the year? Who would have seen that mentioned? To
1: be perfectly honest, yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't even expect that. Like, I'm like, okay, Will's gone to another club. Good on him. All the best to him. I hope he gets a fair run at it. But for the stuff that he's actually doing, and how about Father Time himself or Benjamin Button himself, <laughs> David Mundy as well, consistently trying to work his way forward and work it, work that out. Uh, just some of the plays that are going on, some of the things that are going on over there at Fremantle, it's everything that's right with AFL at the moment. Yeah. I'm disapp- um, Yeah, I'm disappointed we've got to wait till Sunday evening to, to watch them play again, to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, explorer, uh, Spanish explorer back in the 1400s, Ponce de Leon, tried to find the Fountain of Youth. Little did he know it was in a place called Fremantle, Western Australia. That's traveling to the wrong end of the world. It's a part of Sorry, the who? It's a Pirates of the Caribbean reference.
1: Yeah, okay, clearly I'm up to date with my Johnny Depp stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no sorry right it's just been moving yeah. on yeah anyway <laughs> uh casper parts of the caribbean nerd confirmed um although i think that was confirmed when i made a parts of the caribbean i made a joke based on parts of the caribbean in a previous episode um if you didn't listen to that dear listener then what are you doing go back and listen to the other episodes
1: was that the- when all- was on as well um i get the feeling i was back on i was on this one you know what dear listener
0: why don't you listen back to all the other episodes, find out which one that is, and then you'll let us know whether or not Michael Van Dorsa was on that or whether or not it was another co-host. Thank you very much for doing me that service. Now, on to the second section, the main talking points. Now, arguably the biggest talking point uh, out of the weekend was the Friday night game. couple of controversial reasons. We'll get onto to Buddy Franklin first. Got suspended for a week. Swans went to challenge that. Challenge failed, still suspended for a week. Uh, Going to be a major loss for the Swans, especially considering they're coming up against a Stephen May-less Melbourne. I want to ask you, MVD, what were your thoughts about it? Was he unlucky to get a week? Was he lucky? Should it have been more? Was it fair? And uh, what of Cotchin? Because I've got a kind of strong opinion about Trent Cochin that I might suspect might tick off a lot of Richmond supporters.
1: All right, fair enough. Well, I'll have a quick say, and then I'll let you go. <laughs> um, interesting that it was a double... Like, there was two movements in it uh, from, from Buddy. Um, personally, I think he he copped the right, right whack. I think it was fair. Um, yeah, Cochin probably staged a little bit more than he probably had to. But I, I'm... But he's not going to win the Brownlow, let's be honest. He's not. He's never going to win the Brownlow. So it's not going to affect anything Brownlow night. Mm. I honestly just think, yes, we want to see the best players playing. But I think when they do something stupid, they cop their whack for it. Done. Yeah. Done. End of story. I think that's probably fair. Um, so that's where I'm sitting in regards to it. But what do you reckon about Trent uh, well. I'll make you... yourself a cup of tea quickly, ladies and gentlemen, because yeah. I think you have enough time for <laughs> the podcast to come back. First off, right, look...
0: Um, I'll, I'll just touch upon Buddy first. Um, when I first saw it, because Cochin, um played the rest of the game, obviously wasn't affected by it, you know, didn't have concussion because of it, didn't have broken jaw, you know, no teeth went missing because of it. Um, and the AFL was always so results-based when it comes to their suspension. Um, I kind of thought that Buddy might get off. You know, I don't have to worry about suspension. And so the fact that he did get handed a week, I was a little bit surprised at that at first. But looking at it, yeah, you don't want players hitting each other in the head. And I've seen arguments from people saying, was it a punch or was it a slap? I don't think it matters. You don't want players hitting each other in the head, no matter if it's an elbow, no matter if it's a punch or a slap or a hit, whatever. You don't want that happening. You want to protect the head. And I totally understand it. Um, and he's a little bit lucky, um, I think both players are a little bit lucky the fact that there was no long-term damage to that. Because if there was, Buddy would be looking at multiple weeks. Um, but with that being said, though, I'm going to try and say, I'm going to try not to be biased when I say this, but I think that someone like Kotchin, right? He's a bit like Hayden Ballantyne was at Fremantle, right? Very, like, pesky, right? He's a pesk, right? he gets in the face of the opposition and, you know, she shoves them around. And, you know, I, I still, I still remember that 2017 prelim final where he knocked, um, I think it was Callan Ward. You know, he knocked Callan Ward almost completely senseless and he managed to, you know, play in next week's grand final as, um, as a bit of a sore point for me as someone who, who wants fairness in the competition and look, right. There are clubs that people will say are always, you know, benefited by the match reveal panel and it's always Richmond is up there. Um, but truth be told, right, if you actually look at what happened, I reckon Trent Cotchin headbutted him, Buddy. I reckon he headbutted him in the chest. So that's why I reckon that Buddy actually did what he did. I don't think Buddy would just do that just out of the blue, right? It's not like Andrew Gass where you know they're having a little bit of a tussle, and the gas just gone bang like that. Or Barry Hall, where it's, you know decided to become a bit of a Muhammad Ali, boom, sting like a butterfly. Definitely more like stinging like a freaking bulldozer. Um, that <laughs> that not an expression? I feel like it should be. Anyways, um,
1: so Boat like for, Cadillac, sting like a beamer.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, for me. <sighs> What happened to Buddy, I think, was fair, but honestly, Kotchin at some level, and I'm not saying that any player deserves to get punched in the head, but at some point, if you're going around headbutting people, then surely you have to expect a little bit of retaliation. And maybe the retaliation shouldn't be a punch in the head, right? I remember when Nat Nui um, and Zach Merritt, you know, had their little tussle in the final a couple of years ago. And when Zach Merritt pulled Nat Nui's hair and Nat Nui... You know, struck out at him. Honestly, yeah, it wasn't great what that what knew he did. But what did Zach Merritt expect? You don't go around pulling people's head. Same thing with Trent You don't go around headbutting people. And maybe he is lucky the fact that Buddy didn't break his jaw. I'm not I'm not saying he should have. I'm just saying he's lucky. All right.
1: Well, Scott Thompson pushed Barry Hall over when he when he was, was doing, doing his shoelace.
0: And then he yeah, nearly got nearly got choked.
1: Oh, I did get choked you get choked to death Yeah I had to tap out. I mean yes I understand you've probably got to take some of these pests and deal with them but at the same time you've got to, you've got to go about it in the proper way you can't be just going out being full on thuggery I fully- which I'm not saying is what Buddy did because it wasn't but at the same time like you've got to do it within the rules.
0: Look, I fully agree with you, right? I fully agree with you. But for me, right, you got to realize that it's easy for us, right, sitting in our living rooms, right, on Thursday, right, we're being a little bit of the Monday quarterback here, right? It's very easy for us to say what players should and should not do in the heat of battle. But, you know, playing hockey, right, you know, commentating footy, you know that in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking straight as a player, right? You're not thinking about like no, what could that. this, what could this do, right? This could result in possibly me getting suspended for a week or two. Somebody said that.
1: You. I 100% get that. But, but at the same time, you're sitting there going, well, hang on a minute. But of course, the retaliator is always going to get done more so than the uh, than the person who started to do it. And both of those players are smart enough and have been playing the game long enough to understand this. So they both deserve their own whack where they get it. And Anyway, it's, yeah, I think it was justified. Any more would have probably been too much. And you're right when you said about the whole, um, it is results-based. It is, 100% agree with you. Um, And I thought he might've got off maybe two. But at the same time, look, it is what it is. It's done. Let's move on.
0: Let's move on to the end of the game. Not moving on very far, but let's move on to the end of the game.
1: Uh, oh the yeah, I forgot we had more of Sydney. I forgot we had more of Sydney to talk about.
0: <laughs> no, look, right, I promise I'm not doing this on purpose, but I do think we need to talk about this. Ball was kicked into the crowd after the free kick was given, but also after the siren sounded. Now, MVD, I want to ask your opinion on this. Should it have been 50 metres?
1: No. Mm. and simply because you sit there and I don't know about you. What is it? 40,000 capacity at the SCG? Yeah, I do think you got quite
0: forty thousand people,
1: but um, yeah, I get your point. Hold on, it was, it was clo- well, okay, it was close to capacity crowd at the SCG. Yeah, um, they've come from thirty-six points down, as we spoke about earlier, to to get across the line, and the crowd's going bananas. The the players are up and about, like you said before, it's in the heat of the moment. They don't know what's going on, uh, and they all they know is that they've won the game, and they're celebrating now, kicking the football into the grounds, probably into the crowds, probably a bit stupid. But we're not talking about that right now. The kick into the crowd, yeah, okay, no worries. Because they probably haven't heard the whistle, and we've we've seen it a number of times where the umpires call things back because players haven't heard the whistle. So I think it was the I think it was the right call not to award the 50 meters because. It, they probably didn't hear it. And again, we're asking, we're speculating what as to what um, players want or players can hear.
0: Um, yes, I agree with that. Um, for me, right, you've got, you have a player who, and, and, and plenty of players have kicked the ball into the crowd when the siren's gone, right? I remember when Melbourne got upset by Adelaide in 2021, uh, there was a Crows player who booted the ball into the crowd um, when the siren went, right? Plenty of players have done it. Plenty of players will do it, right? I suspect that if the Swans player in question actually heard the whistle and then heard the siren, he could have thought that it was the siren to, you know, the whistle to signal the end of the game, right? Because technically, technically, the play doesn't finish until the umpire on the ground hears the siren at which point they blow the whistle.
1: Correct. So, I should, ask St Kilda supporters about that.
0: Or <laughs> Fremantle supporters. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> Same difference. Both clubs with very little success. Both clubs should probably fold. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Joking. Right? Don't come at me, all oh right? Oh, my gosh. Don't come at me, right? Okay? Look, right? I'm on the Fremantle bandwagon this year, and I'm slowly getting on the Saints one, all right? Don't come at me, all right? I like living in St. Kilda in peace. Um, Now, I might've just doxed myself. I don't care. I'm continuing. Um, Look, for me, right? Siren's gone, right? The free kick, I think, should have been paid, right? Regardless, free kick was paid. And then the siren sound, right? Whistle went, siren sound and then he kicked the ball into the crowd. As far as I'm concerned, the act of kicking the ball into the crowd happened after the game had finished, right? After the siren had gone. Had it happened before the siren sounded, then that is absolutely a 50-meter penalty, right? Now, we have seen last year, right, another controversial Swans win against a big Victorian club, Geelong, right? A Swans player get tackled inside their defensive 50, right in front of the goal. And the umpire about to blow the whistle for holding the ball and the siren sounds. And that's the end of the game. And the umpire say to the Cats players, sorry, the game finished, right? You can't pay that free kick after the game's finished, even if the act happened before the siren sounded, right? And that was before the siren sounded. This happened after the siren sounded. So for me, you cannot have a 50 meter penalty paid after the final siren has sounded. And I know, I know that Essendon were the beneficiaries of exactly that happening against Fremantle earlier in the year, right? As if they made much of a difference to the result of that game, still lost by a lot, but nevertheless, I understand, right? But for me, it was the right call on Friday night. There was not a 50 meter penalty. Now... On to the next big talking point out of the uh, out of the weekend. You know, just pull up. What is the next big talking point? Uh, next big talking point. Let's... Oh, this is interesting. Now, I would have had this game on Friday night football. But since I don't make the fixtures, it's on Sunday twilight football instead for some reason. Brisbane versus Fremantle. I want to ask you, MVD, should Fremantle be considered more of a premiership threat than Brisbane, considering that Fremantle have just crushed Melbourne and beat Geelong and Geelong. Meanwhile, Brisbane almost lost to GWS.
1: And did lose to Hawthorne.
0: And did lose to Hawthorne. Um I wasn't gonna say that to insult the Hawks, but since you said it, yes.
1: Well, it's not an insult. We we did we did beat them. Um honestly No, but no,
0: but I'm saying, like, you know, the Hawks, like they never mind.
1: <laughs> honestly. Well, sorry, what was the question again? Who should be more of a threat to Melbourne? <laughs> Who should come be September?
0: okay? So perhaps I should rephrase it. If Melbourne is premiership favourites, who's number yep. two in the in the in the in the lineup in the ranking?
1: Uh hang on. Going by the odds, Brisbane.
0: <laughs> really? But Did
1: they have yep. to get Fremantle where we're ahead in the odds. Well, Brisbane at this point in time six dollars and not that we look into this and yeah please we please do not condone yeah, betting. Uh, Brisbane six dollars Fremantle ten dollars. So interesting. I,
0: I don't know what I don't know what you're looking at, because According to the AFR website, Fremantle are a dollar sixty-eight, Brisbane are two dollars nineteen.
1: Really? Oh, sorry. Are you looking at the odds for the weekend?
0: Yeah, I am. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I thought that's what you. Uh, never mind.
1: You know what? I'm no, that's what right. I. I think they're both on par because yeah. you got to think. Fremantle have also lost to Collingwood over in Fremantle. Yep. Like to be perfectly honest, they weren't coming in on, coming in on a um on a I don't know riding in on a horse or something like that. Like they were coming into this game massive underdogs. I reckon. You would have if you had a tipped fremantle, you're either a fremantle supporter, or you just pick whatever. Or you Sorry? Or you're me. Oh, get off your high horse. Come on. <laughs> um, or, or you don't know much about football. Because to be perfectly honest, Melbourne in Melbourne, you would not have picked them, you would not have picked them against. Seriously, I would not have worked out how you would have done it. Um, but I it's a good win, yes, but one win doesn't make a season. So I'm going to go. I'm going to say they're both probably. I reckon they're both equal. It's they're equal second at this point in time. Yep, I think.
0: Talking
1: that's about fair. sitting on the fence. Yeah, yep. I know, but um, I honestly think that. Boo for that answer. Boo. No, I. I mean, look. I, I want to. I want to see a good game Sunday night. The reason that game, this game, isn't being played on Friday night is because it's in Perth. If it was any other, if it was. If it was that even at the Gabba, I reckon it would have been played on Friday night. Um,
0: Western Australia Friday night
1: football too. I don't disagree with that, but Sunday, but Sunday night gives the East Coast. If they played on a, it is Sunday twilight, it gives the East Coast a chance to watch it. You have a look at all those games that are played in twilight. It, nine times out of ten, they are either in Adelaide or they're in Perth because it gives the eastern seaboard something to do after the. 2 o'clock, or the 3, sorry, the 3.20 game. (laughs) Um, But, I I mean, I agree with you. It should have been played prime time. Um, And I'm glad it's not stashed away on Saturday night as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I definitely think that they should have um, played at a different time slot. It's going to be a ripper game.
0: Oh, I'm still looking forward to it. Um, But we will get onto that game more specifically later on. I think, for me, right, um, I probably put Brisbane just ahead of Fremantle um, in terms of where I have them in the premiership race, just because of Brisbane's recent finals experience. I mean, yet again, in recent seasons, finals experience hasn't really counted for much when it came to the Dogs in 2016, the Tigers in 2017, the Demons in 2021. But OK, but with that being said, right, like you have teams who will play finals football this year who have great success when it comes to finals. Brisbane is not one of them. They have sucked in finals football recently. And I think they'll be having that fire in that belly, just a little bit, you know, burning a little bit hotter than for Fremantle, just because of the recent finals failure. Now, on to topic number four, uh, what does Adam Simpson do for the rest of the year? Like, what, Like what? do you just turn to the youth? Do you try to, you know, barricade the, um, barricade the floodgates with, uh, with tissue paper? Like, what do you do? do?
1: That's what he's doing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's
0: very
1: true. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, not with paper. Maybe with paper. maybe Maybe over the cracks with um, plaster or no, no, that's not right. Painting over the cracks with wallpaper. Um, Paper match, eh? What does he he do? Get someone, uh, go back to assistant coach and get someone else to coach for the rest of the year? Um, Is that possible? Retire? No, I don't think retiring is the way. I was going to say quit, but I think that's the, the easy way out. I, I reckon just write the season off and go again. Start planning for 2023 now. Is that too much?
0: Well, the problem with that, right, is that brings up questions of integrity in the competition when you have a team that's tanking.
1: Um, I, didn't, I didn't say the T word. I mean, I to, be not fair, say the
0: to be fair, the way that they're playing at the moment, it's not... They're, they're, playing, they're playing worse than Melbourne were when they were tanking,
1: right? Now, I'm not yeah, saying that. I'm not I don't saying think, that. I honestly I don't honestly not, think West Coast are tanking. I just don't think they have the cattle in the right park.
0: The thing that's mind-boggling though, NVD, right? They're losing by over 10 goals, every single time they play at home. On the weekend, they had nine premiership players playing, nine of them. And the only one who actually showed up was Jack Darling, who's finally done something this season, took long enough to get bloody vaccinated, finally got vaccinated, showed up finally in week, bloom 11, kicked four goals. But yeah, hey, there, he's look, done something.
1: There's something that's not right over there, and I don't know what it is. I, can't, I, I just can't even work it. But they are so unwatchable, it's not funny.
0: I want to ask you, MBD, be quickly before we Working move on. Sorry, apologies. That's okay. no, all right, keep going. I was... Okay, so before we move on to section three, Jonathan Brown mentioned something about Jack Darling, which was interesting. He said that, you know, if he was a senior player, he would have respected Jack Darling's right to choose to not get vaccinated. But when the threat of not getting paid... And the threat of not playing this season was hanging over Jack Darling's head. All of a sudden, him getting fully vaccinated and him coming straight back into the team. Jonathan Brown said as a senior player, he would have lost a lot of respect for Jack Darling. I think as Nick Rewalt pointed out as well, that oh, round, that round four win against Collingwood with all those waffle players in there, great win. And then they bring in all these underdone, washed out, has been players from 2018 who have done nothing to earn their spot back except for what they've done in seasons gone by. Now, I want to ask you, MVD, what do you reckon of these two points?
1: Oh, I, I agree. I think, I, I completely agree. I think they've, um, they've brought them back and brought them back at the wrong time. Possibly that's probably one thing. They brought, they rushed them back in because they had all these youngsters playing. Um, let's be honest, they could have found their own McDonald, Tip and Woody out of it all um, but they haven't mm. they yeah. haven't um, and I think they need they need to, yeah I, I don't I don't agree with the fact that he's playing, I don't agree with the fact that he was rushed back in, can you imagine being a young forward at, at West Coast and, and seeing Jack Darling go oh, all of a sudden he's off the whiteboard now and then next week he's straight on the whiteboard like Yeah. Well, I personally I know how much that irks me at at local level to try to see um, players come back into into a side, even playing cricket when they haven't when they haven't done a preseason or they haven't done training and and yet they're picked in a grade above you. Like you sit there and go, well, what the hell am I doing here? So yeah, I I completely agree. I think Darling shouldn't. He should have done a full preseason before he got into that side yeah which is probably why your comment earlier about thank goodness he's finally done something is coming to fruition
0: imagine and i'm saying that as someone who's not a west coast supporter imagine being a west coast supporter and oh they'd be furious honestly um now mvd will get into the third section uh it starts off this buy round these buy rounds i should say start off with a thrilling Friday night encounter. It's the dogs amongst the cats or the cats amongst the dogs, depending on your viewpoint. I want to ask you the age old animal rivalry, uh, call it the, uh, the Tom and Jerry rivalry with that dog. What was that dog's character's name? Um, uh, Butch, wasn't it? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. I'm calling him Butch. It's the Butch versus Tom rivalry. And I want to ask you, who's going to win in the battle of the household pets? Will it be the cats or will it be the dogs?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've tossed the coin up a couple of times, and I'm trying to figure it out from the tips tomorrow. And I'm like, it's not working. Mm. Uh, um, we keep going back to Geelong being too old, too slow, and all of the above. At least it's going to be under the roof, and so it would be nice, warm for everyone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure.
1: um, At Marvel, um, the
0: cold won't get to their old bones.
1: Yeah, so maybe Geelong have a chance. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. I've got no basis for it, but I'm going to tip West Western Bulldogs. I think.
0: Yep, yep. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to throw some stats at you that I think they they might seem useless, but I promise there is a point for me bringing. There is a reason why I'm bringing these up, right? Um, of course firstly, there is.
1: You've got reasons for everything you bring up.
0: Exactly right. It's all it's like that spirituality stuff, right? Everything's connected now. Before we get into the actual game itself, my dad messaged me during the weekend he said I should mention this. So, Dad, I'm mentioning this, right? 16 individual goal kickers last week for the Dogs, right? I did hear that, actually. Equal most ever. Unbelievable. I'm calling out the seven who didn't, right? I'm calling <laughs> you back because, because get this, right? Three out of the 16 who kicked goals were defenders. Alex Keith kicked two. I don't know if he's ever done that before in his life. He kicked two goals. That's yeah, he did for
1: sure
0: That is un- – oh, he did it in Shepparton, did he? Yeah. Well, there you go. He's never done it in the AFL, I don't think. Um, no, probably. So, I'm calling you guys out, right? Um, All right, which ones are – who are on, they? Who are-, right? who
1: are the players?
0: Pressure is on. I'm even mentioning the medical sub who didn't play last week, right? Might seem harsh, but the way that West Coast were playing, you still should have gotten a goal, right? So we- – <laughs>
1: Go on, go on. You call them out.
0: Luke Clearly, who is the medical sub, Caleb Daniel, Ryan Gardner, Jack McRae, Tim O'Brien, Ed Richards, and Jordan Sweet. There's no excuses this week, right? Game's under the roof, right? Don't have to worry about how wet Melbourne has been. Don't have to worry about that, right? Shape up.
1: All right. Spot can, I, can I jump on Jordan Sweet for a sec? Yeah, go for it. Jordan Sweet had minus 24 metres gained. Oh. Jordan Sweet went backwards.
0: How do you do that?
1: Do you Seriously, do that? Jordan. Talk okay. about going from chocolates to boiled lollies. Speak <laughs> by name, not by football skills.
0: If he holds on to his spot this week, I don't know. He must get down on every single and knee and thank every single higher power in existence for that. Um, <laughs> look, right? Especially, can I mention, right? Caleb Daniel and Jack McRae. Isn't it their job to kick goals?
1: Alex Keith. No, okay. no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'll defend these two. They're playing off the halfback flank. Still. But didn't Alex Keith kick one of them from a 50-meter penalty? Yeah,
0: exactly. No, sorry. From 100. a hundred meter uh, it's penalty. It's a hundred-meter penalty, right? So there's no excuse. They should have gotten a 150-meter penalty.
1: Anyways. We'll get uh, onto that topic another time because on to the
0: <laughs> onto the uh onto the game, uh, onto the uh, important stats, right? Keep an eye out for those seven though this week. Um, Now, it's interesting. The difference for me between the dog's best and the dog's worst is vast. It's too vast for me to say that they're definitely going to play finals football this year. And it probably reflects where they are on the ladder, right? When they lose, they concede nearly 90 points per game. When they win, that's down to 66.6 points per game. When they lose, they score only an average of 70.6 points per game. But while they win, they score 113.1 points per victory. That's massive, right? Now, the good thing for the Dogs is that Geelong are also very inconsistent. In defeats, Geelong also almost concede 90 points per game. In victories, they concede just over 61 points per game. When Geelong have lost, they've scored only 75 Funnily enough, seventy-five point seventy-five points, points per game. Nice little symmetry there. When they've won, that's increased to an average of 90 points per game. So offensively speaking, at least, the difference between Geelong's best and worst is not as fast as it is down at the kennel, at the doghouse. Um, But for me, most pleasingly for Geelong, they've gone from, in their first three games, needing to score 100 points to win, to only scoring 100 points just once in their last five wins which means they can win low scoring dour games of football. However, this is where it gets tricky for the Cats. The Dogs at Marvel Stadium score 100.4 points per game. If it wasn't for their inaccuracy against the Blues in the last quarter where they kicked, I think, one goal six and where they kicked nine goals 17 against the Swans, it would be significantly higher than that. They've conceded just 100 points at Marvel Stadium once this year. Every single other time they've played there, they've held teams to under 80 points. And as I pointed out earlier, when Geelong have lost, they have only scored an average of 75.75 points per game. Now, the last three weeks, I don't think you can get an accurate reading into these two teams because they have had wins against teams that they should win and they've won comfortably against them. Um, but for me, right, looking at how well the dogs spread the goal kicking feast fest around you compare that to geelong where it can sometimes be like if it isn't hawkins or Jezza or tyson stengel then who's going to step up for them because it's at marble and because the dogs have more scoring threats in the forward line i'm going with the dogs
1: by a point well If Triple M don't sign you up after that to take Ash (laughs) I don't know who will. Because that was some in-depth stats work. And thanks to Red Zed Lending, I'll tell you what, you've done some fantastic stats and groundwork and all that. So make sure that Ash Chua hears this, because I'll tell you what, if he's worried about Ethan Meldrum, I'll tell you what, he's going to be worried about you as well, I think, two-pronged attack. Um, That was well done, and uh, well done to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Thank you Well, your stats, I reckon... By your stats, Western Bulldogs win. Mm. Um, and, well, what is it? 40, 45 out of 48 games get one if you kick 100 points first or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Some random stat. If you win, if you get to 100 first, then you're going to win most most games. So, yeah. I want to stress, dear
0: listener, that I uh, I was terrible at math in high school. So take that what you will. Now, on to Saturday. <laughs> on to Saturday afternoon football. Um, Tristan- are, we, are we going I- with the big game? Are
1: we going with the big game that we need to talk about?
0: Oh, I think we're going
1: for the games in order, aren't we? That's what we normally do. Oh, I was gonna go with Seymour versus Shepparton. Oh, yeah, right. Uh <laughs> no, we'll talk about that later. It's okay. Let's go. Let's go with uh, Adelaide versus West Coast.
0: Uh Adelaide versus West Coast, what, Oh, no one
1: starts before at. the other one anyway. So we should do oh, it more. Yeah,
0: <laughs> kind of kinda of want to talk about the um the Shepherds versus um Seymour Lions. That one's gonna be much more interesting than this one. Um uh, I don't know. let's keep
1: going
0: i think adelaide by six goals i think honestly these saturday matches i don't think i have to talk about them for too long um adelaide by six goals they're struggling at the moment but i reckon Adelaide's sample team could crush west coast at the moment with how pitiful they're going um i I would be surprised if it's more than that
1: yeah i'm going adelaide as well tim kelly is probably the only shining light at the moment for west coast eagles and uh, even that's saying something in regards to it. So um, I, I think Adelaide by oh, yeah a bit Taylor Taylor Walker. Well, if he kicks to his average, he's kicked two averaging two goals six and averaging one uh, two points sorry he's averaging two point six goals uh, and fifteen disposals. So that's better than Josh Kennedy, which is one point nine goals and seven disposals. So that and look for Josh Rochelle to kick kick uh, about five.
0: Well, i tell you what, Kennedy is probably leading Walker in, the amount of 100-metre penalties that he's conceded. Um, now, exactly. on to uh, the second straight week that we're having a game in Darwin, so great that the top end is getting so much football action, uh, Gold Coast Suns versus North Melbourne. Now, last three times that these two teams have played each other, uh, it's been two games in very, uh, a very hot, humid climate and one game in a very cold climate. And the two games in the hot, humid climate on the Gold Coast the Suns won by 63 points and I think 59 points. The game that was in the cold weather climate down in Hobart last year, North Melbourne won. So with that and with how well the Suns are going and with how poorly North Melbourne are going, I'm tipping the Suns by 50 points.
1: So what did you say? 63 points they won by the Gold Coast and then 59 points? Also on the Gold Coast. Also on the Gold Coast. I got those numbers right.
0: Uh, I'm ninety nine point
1: nine. Sixty three. So, well, I'm unchecking I'm because you said it. So, Ethan Meldrum, stats man, Red Zed Landing, uh, sixty three and fifty nine. So, my calculation would be uh, Gold Coast by fifty five. Yep, yeah, I like it. I like Have it. Have I done my math quick?
0: Um, honestly, this quicker than what I can work out. Look, honestly, right, this this is gonna be this is gonna be an easy an easy victory, right? I don't think. We have to explain yeah. ourselves too much for this, right? The suns are the suns are uh, scorching everyone in their paths, right? Giving everyone in their paths sunburn, right? And heat stroke. Uh, North Melbourne. Keep really
1: going, struggled. keep going. I'm sure you can get a few more out. Don't worry.
0: North Melbourne really, really, really struggle um, with uh, with um, with playing in, in, in hot humid climates. I mean, we saw what happened in Brisbane and um, and this is Darwin, which is going to be even hotter, even more humid. Um, yeah, suns easily. They say you shouldn't look in the, uh, at the sun directly for too long or you'll go blind. Uh, and I think the suns are going to leave them seeing stars.
1: All righty, Chris. Let's keep moving.
0: There you go. <laughs> Hire me. Someone to commentate football, please. Anyway, Melbourne versus Sydney <laughs> at the MCG. Um, now, MBD, nobody, no may. That probably cancels each other out. Uh, who wins? Melbourne. Uh,
1: Sorry, you're going to hate me for it. Yep. Um, Melbourne win. Their midfield depth um, is probably too strong uh, in regards to it. Uh, they'll be fuming after last week and dropping that that match to Fremantle. Simon Goodwin will probably, uh, and he probably won't have to do too much. I reckon it come from Max score Christian Petrarca, and probably Clayton Oliver and they were simply going, oh, come on boys, we're better than this. Let's uh, let's show the competition why we're the running premiers. Um, yeah, no buddy, no mate. Look, it just it just means the game misses a match-up. That's, that, to me, is um, that one. Um, but, yeah, I saw somewhere on social media last week, the end of May could spell dramas for the Demons. We'll wait and see what happens on Saturday night.
0: Now we're in the start of June. I see, I see, I see what you did there. Um, look, uh, for me... Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Um, I know Fraser, who's another co-host, is very nervous for this game as a Swan supporter. But honestly, I, I think, you know, these two teams, they play each other very well. And the Swans have historically done exceptionally well against Melbourne. Um, last year was a great game. Melbourne won by just nine points. Uh, between 2010, sorry, 2011 and 2021, Melbourne only beat the Swans twice, and one of them was by less than two goals. Um, Stephen May, I think, is a bigger loss for Melbourne than probably Buddy of Sydney. Um, And it's a good test for the Swans, with that being said, though. Can they be a prolific scoring team without Stephen, uh, sorry, without Buddy Franklin in the forward line? Um, I'm not 100% certain. Uh, It's up to the likes of Peter Adams, Tom Hickey, if he plays and Logan McDonald to really step up um, in Buddy's absence. Because if two of them can fire on Saturday night, then I think Melbourne's back line is in big trouble. But I think that's a big if. I'm tipping Melbourne by 11 points. On to Sunday. Uh, and let's admit this, the game that we probably want to be over so that we can get to the other Sunday game. Um, Hawthorne versus Collingwood.
1: Well, you know which way I'm going to go.
0: Uh, let me guess.
1: Are you going to make the same mistake as last week? No. Um, oh, okay. I, I think. Sure. I mean, uh, surely Hawthorn's uh, been up and down and up and down and all that sort of stuff. I, I honestly don't know whether or not um, Collingwood's much better. Yeah, they beat Carlton last week. Yeah, they've beaten Fremantle. That they're, they're they're in they're in form. Um. Last year. We beat Collingwood by nineteen points. Twenty twenty, we lost by thirty two. We won by four in twenty nineteen. Go figure. Our last four have been has been terrible. Let's be honest. Our last five have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Collingwood have three and two in the last five. So, and they beat Fremantle and Carlton. So it's it's going to be interesting. I don't think Hawthorne will play as badly as what they did last week. They can get off to a good start, they'll play well. Um, yeah, I think oh, I'm gonna go with Hawthorne. Yeah, I might have my yellow and brown glasses on, but at the same time, surely they're not there's not going to be a huge difference, you would think in in this game.
0: I think it's going to be a good game. Um, two of the surprise packets so far this season in terms of how well they've been going. Um, it's interesting. Hawthorne for the longest time, you guys had a dominant winning record against Collingwood. Um, and talking to Liam, uh, Webster McAllister, who is another co-host on this podcast, a Collingwood supporter, he said that he used to always be afraid of uh, of Hawthorne games because you know you how much you guys dominated them. The last few years or so, it's kind of even up a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. to the point where you can almost kind of say that that doesn't matter anymore because that's long, long, long way back when you guys had your um your three-peat dynasty. Um for me, I think looking at this game, I trust Collingwood's youngsters more than I trust Hawthorne's youngsters. I trust Craig McRae more than Sam Mitchell as coach. I trust Collingwood that when they don't play well for a quarter, they're not going to concede nine goals in a quarter, mm. like the Hawks did against Essendon and against Sydney. So, for me, for those reasons, and because Collingwood are coming off such a, a hot streak, I'm going Collingwood to reverse last year's winning margin, Collingwood by 19 points. Now we get on to the game that is the most important game of the season so far. And I 100% mean that. Now, um, Brisbane traveling to Perth to take on the Dockers. Uh, it's interesting, the Lions AFL website had an article titled A Month That Could Shape a Season it starts with, you know, starting with this game. And whoever came up with that title, give them all the money because I fully agree with that. <laughs> they play Fremantle in Perth, St. Kilda in Brisbane. Then they have the bye. Then they play Melbourne at the MCG and then the Dogs at the Gabba. That's a monster five game, uh, five weeks ahead. Now, I'm not super confident that Brisbane is going to win this game because they have coasted by playing really average football. Right, compared to what they could, right? Aside from a three-game stretch where they beat the Suns by 52 points, they had a 24-point win against the Swans that probably should have been by more, and a 75-point win against the Eagles that should have definitely been by more. The Lions have been coasting. But with that being said, it means that they've been able to win comfortably without being convincing. It's a sign of a great team that you can win games often without having to play all that well in those games. And when they have lost, they lost to the Hawks by five points. And no offense, MVD, but any team that loses by under a goal is unlucky. Yeah, true. And they lost to the Cats by ten. Meanwhile, Fremantle's best; they can literally keep last year's reigning premiers to one goal in a quarter and a half, and snap their seventeen-game winning streak apart. They're worse; only kick a goal in about an hour and a half of football against the Gold Coast and suffer a six-goal loss against a team that finished 17th last year. So for me, it's not so much about which Brisbane shows up because Brisbane have been very consistent in their aborigines. It's about which Fremantle shows up. Is it the Dockers who went inside 50, 65 times against the Suns for just four goals? Or is it the team that kicked 14 goals from 53 inside 50 against Melbourne, which to be honest with you, still isn't great, but it's a lot better than four goals from 65 entries. Is it the team that kicked two goals seven in the first half against Melbourne, or the team that kicked twelve goals three in the second half? This is the biggest test of how Fremantle have improved. Now, this is an interesting stat, right? Last year, in round twenty, round twenty, they came off. Uh, they had an emotional charge, upset win of lot of the previous season's reigning premiers, Richmond. They played Brisbane in round twenty one in Perth, and Brisbane won by 64 points, crushed them. Now, I think they have shown this year that they can follow up a big emotional victory with another win, and they are playing better footy at the moment than Brisbane. How can I possibly tip against Fremantle after last week? And according to the Bureau of Meteorology, Perth on Sunday, only a 5% chance of rain. And considering how terrible Fremantle played in the rain, this bodes well for the Dockers, I reckon this weekend is going to be bookended by classics, the Dockets by seven points.
1: Fair cool. Sorry, just um soaking it all in.
0: <laughs> soaking in my tipping um, greatness.
1: No, I think it's gonna, it's definitely exciting and it's definitely gonna be an absolute ripper. Um You'd think Freo at Freo, isn't that the old rule that you tip West Coast, uh, Western Australia side, sorry, Western Australia sides in Perth. Um,
0: Well, with that being said, Fremantle's two out of their three losses have come in
1: Perth. So, well, that's and that's true too. So go figure. Uh, Normally, you could bank eleven wins on the on from there. So, oh, yeah, I know the teams are coming out soon, but I need to see what's going on team-wise. In regards to this, because it's going to be an absolute ripper game.
0: Okay, I know Um, I jokingly booed you. You went
1: free, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I went free mantle.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Brisbane just because I can.
0: (laughs) I was about to say if you were, if you were, if if you were going to say no, 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 I can't decide, I can't decide, because the teams aren't out yet. I was going to say I know I jokingly booed you early for an answer, but boo, (laughs) boo, get off the stage.
1: Um, No, it's all good.
0: I want to ask you, right, so before we finish, which game are you most looking forward to and which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout? I'll go first. I think I, it's, it's tough, right? Either, right, you've got great games that finishes around. You've got either Dockers v. Lions, third versus second, or you have the Dogs versus Cats, i.e. which team on the umpire is going to favor the most. Uh, I joke, by the way. That's a joke. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> That's a joke. Is it a joke? I don't know. No, it is a joke. Um, as for the biggest blowout, it's Gold Coast versus North Melbourne. I mean, Gold Coast versus North Melbourne. Easy. Even if it was played in the freezing cold Hobart, I'm still tipping the Suns to win because it's in Darwin. The Kangaroos, poor things. They're going to struggle in the heat. Um, yeah. Suns are going to blind them.
1: Um. All right. I'll go with I'll go with the last game. Fremantle versus Brisbane, looking forward to that one the most. And the game that I think could be the biggest blowout, I was going to go with the Suns and North as well, but just because I can, I'm going to go with Adelaide versus West Coast.
0: Ooh, big call. Big call. I like it. Nvd, thank you so much.
1: But Casper, before we go, Ooh. I've got to do this for you. It's okay. been 10 years to the day since this happened. Let's see if, it play, if you can hear it properly. 13 13 10 years to the day casper since that happened
0: for those of you uh unable to hear that and i suspect that will be 99 of you that is that is buddy franklin kicking 13 no we did hear it it was just very very quiet but um, oh, Buddy Franklin kicking 13 goals against North Melbourne, uh, narrowly beating out North Melbourne, by the way, for their total in that game. Yeah. Uh, just an unbelievable effort. And it's good to know that North Melbourne, even after 10 years, are still just as terrible. Um, MVG, thank you.
1: <laughs> and congratulations. I must I must say a throw. Congratulations to all the players who got picked up in the uh, in the mid-season draft. Yes. All the best. Um, keep an eye on... Uh, obviously, there's a few of them going around. But one that is very interesting, um, and you'll understand why when I say it, Josh Carmichael got picked up by Collingwood. All right? So it was very interesting. He's from West Adelaide. He's 189 centimetres and 88 kilos. Uh, but the interesting part about it is he was born on the 1st of January 2000. Wow. There you
0: go. That's, um, and that's- I'm done. On that note, and I'll, I'll see you later. You know what? I've worked hard for all these stats and then you come along and you just drop that little bomb right at the end. There you go. There you go. My drop moment. MVD, good luck for Sunday. Um, hope it's a good game at the MCG.
1: Thanks. Good, and, luck, uh, for you. good luck for yours as
0: well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, See, and, it should be good. Yes. Yeah, sure. Fingers crossed. Um. Look, dear listener, thank you for listening to this episode of the Three to Banner podcast. Join me and a co host next week to review the first of the buy rounds and preview the second of the buy rounds. Um, These buy rounds always seem to crawl and yet also go by at the speed of light. Um, Until then, thank you.